the highs are significantly higher and the lows are significantly lower. You get celebrated for things that you do more than you would in another environment. And then you also kind of get torn apart. And so obviously it's what we signed up for though. And I think it's something that we're really excited about. We do believe that building in public alongside of your community is, is the right thing to do. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing the best conversations we have had with significant builders, experts, and communicators. The people we encounter and work with as we go about helping you build brands people care about. Season four is based on our exploration of Web3, NFTs, and all things Metaverse. We're seeing an explosion of creativity and brands popping up all over this new space. Yet the rules seem to be different and experimentation is not only expected, but welcome. Follow our conversations with the designers, the builders and the visionaries shaping Web3 and the metaverse. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to the team behind Tally Labs. Valet Jones is a co-founder and co-CEO of Tally. He's a former product manager and creative writer turned valet. He's also the original voice of Jenkins the Valet. C.A. Poloe is a co-founder and co-CEO of Tally Labs. He's a former marketing agency founder and he never saw an ape he didn't follow. On the podcast, we talk about the story of Jenkins the Valet and Bored and Dangerous and how Tally pioneered building with the community in Web3. They share how they got it wrong with the Azubala PFP launch and how they're thinking about fixing it. Enjoy. With that, Safa and Vijay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you guys making the time. It's, it's always awesome to speak to people when you've been following their work for a long time. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're, we're, um, uh, we feel the same way and we're thrilled to be here today. All right. So I know you've told the story like a million times, but I think for people who might not know your work, I think it's it's helpful to just sort of start at the beginning. And can you give us the the kind of the, the elevator pitch of who Jenkins the valet is and and why you invented um, him, or not invented him, but why you filled him with so much meaning and brand equity? BJ, come on! This, you know, you know that this is this has to be you. <laughs> I know that's funny, um, but it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right. Uh, all right, it's it's um, uh, Saf and I tell the story so so often that um, we like to give each other a chance to say it uh, <laughs> every so often. But um, I mean, it, it's really interesting because. Uh, Tally Labs has grown to be like so much more than Jenkins the Valet, um, mm. and it's it's crazy. I know we're gonna spend like obviously a lot of time talking about like all all of the different things that we work on at Tally Labs and our team and and those types of things. And it it's still like a it's sort of unbelievable like that that Jenkins the Valet became this thing. Um, and, and so retelling the story like is, is, uh, is, I think is one of our favorite things to do, you know, in conversations like this, because uh, it's like a great opportunity to reflect. Um, mm. 
we, um, Saf and I are childhood best friends. Um, we, we grew up going to school together from like, I don't know, seven years old all the way through college. Um, we've always done different things together. Uh, you know, as kids, it was playing sports and, and, and into college, we're always working on, you know, side projects together and trying to start things. And, um, I studied creative writing in, in college and, and, um, after college, I went into tech and software. Um, I worked in product management. Uh, and Safa went into sort of brand marketing, strategy, creative, things like that. And so for us, like we just felt that NFTs were like this, this like incredible, like it was, it was essentially like where our skill sets overlapped in like the Venn diagram. <laughs> uh, yes. It was creative, it was tech, it was brand. Um, and I think the, the, you know, the luckiest thing for us is that, um, is that we felt that we had that realization right around when the Board Ape Yacht Club came out. Uh, and so when we picked uh, sort of a, an NFT to try to like do something with, and, and I'll get into like really the story of Jenkins, the, the, the character, but when, when we were sort of exploring the space, we were really fortunate to be exploring it with, with, um, with Board Apes in the early days. And so Safa, who sort of always has been on the cutting edge of stuff, he already had a Board Ape. Um, he he had sort of encouraged me to look into the community. Um, I was blown away. It was like incredible how much creativity was was like already like exploding within those like those early board ape yacht club members. Everyone was doing mm-hmm. something achieved with their apes. Um, and so I went looking for a board ape that I could purchase on the secondary. Uh, I probably was looking like maybe three weeks after the the board ape primary sale, and I yeah. found this ape that looked like a valet. Uh, it's ape seventeen ninety eight. He's a floor ape. There's nothing special about Ape 1798, but he really looks like a character because he's got the matching work vest and and hat. Um, and Saf and I just wanted to, you know, exercise some creativity and we wanted to contribute to the to the space. And we wanted to be one of those people doing something with their board apes. Um, we were really inspired by like what others were doing. And so um the night that uh I purchased Ape 1798, um uh, he looked like a valet, like I mentioned. So we named him Jenkins, uh, which which <laughs> is just like the most basic valet name that I think you know we could think of. And it's really funny to look back on some of our characters today because it it shows like how playful we were back then. You mm. have Jenkins the valet. You have the mutant version of him is just Jenkins the mutant, <laughs> mm. and then his dog, right, uh, is just named Good Boy. Like it's literally what's the first name that comes to your mind? That's the name. Okay, we roll with it, and and it's um it, it I think the playful nature of like the those early days is um you know is is a really important part of like our brand even today. And so uh, I used the creative writing background that I had and started writing content as Jenkins the ballet, and we were posting it onto Twitter. And I think the first the first day um, that we posted a story, the Jenkins the Ballet account had about thirty followers. Mm. Um, but that that first Jenkins story, like, sort of went like viral. I mean, as, as far as like you know, for us at the time, like it 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 maybe had uh, sixty thousand impressions or something, and the follower count you know might have ten x or something like that. And it was shocking, like how going from 30 to 300 followers isn't much, but at the time it was like, Oh wow. Like we're doing something that is resonating with people. Um, and so Saf and I looked at each other and we were like, all right, this creating content and and doing character building on top of NFT avatars seems to be something that, that, that people were really engaged with. 
And so the next day we posted a, uh, like a form, like a survey, basically asking other people to, to write in and tell us about their own board ape avatars. Mm. And the idea was that Jenkins as the valet had seen things and he'd heard things and he'd always practiced discretion. And if you liked what we had written about our own board ape, we could use the Jenkins character to write content about your avatar too. Um, and we weren't sure how that would go, right? The whole thing was like really low stakes. And that form did really well too. I mean, eventually like hundreds of board apes had written in, you know, telling us about their characters, how they viewed them, what they thought their role was. Some was really clearly pulled in from people's like real life experiences. Others were like totally like fantastical. Um, and from there, we just continued to write stories about other board apes through the lens of Jenkins. Um, and, I'll, and I'll pass it to Safa because, you know, time went on and we looked at each other and we realized that Jenkins, the character, had built this really interesting brand. We were doing something that people really cared about. Uh, and we, we had a bit of an idea for how we could scale it beyond just staying as like uh, folks writing content on Twitter. Mm. I mean, I find this, this fascinating that you you almost took a piece of somebody else's brand and then built meaning you built meaning into your kind of you know i think in the in the transfer of ownership in the nft was interesting but you built your own kind of brand that almost became you know became its own thing outside of the board ape and it is in that kind of ecosystem but i find that fascinating that that couldn't have existed it's not like you can you know if you make a brand inside Nike's world, you know, then they're probably going to shut you down. They're not going to be like, oh, just keep 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 building your fringe shoe line, uh, you know, the fringe Nike shoe line. So I think it's super rad that the technology enabled this. But I think what's even more interesting for me is that you guys realized that there was something more, you know, like something more here than just continuing to be successful as a storytelling app. Um, so Seth, I'd love to hear the, the extension of that. For sure. Um, it would be very easy to say that it was sort of like methodical from the beginning and it was like, we're going to do this and then this and then, but to BJ's point, it was really just playful and fun. And then I think, you know, at, at a certain point, we did start to get a little bit more methodical and, and we felt, okay, we have like a really nice size community here brewing. Uh, we're becoming known for like a certain thing. Um, how can we do that thing at scale? And how can we, uh, how can we use the, you know, the community that we've built and, and create something with them? And so, you know, the community had gotten large enough where we started to get a little bit more analytical and said, okay, it has this many members. If we were to be able to convert this many people, we could support a mint size of this and really just kind of start to think about how do we actually turn this into a business? Um, mm. One thing that really stuck out to us is we had sort of become known even like inadvertently for like community generative content. We were writing stories that were exclusively based on inputs that were given to us by owners of NFTs. Apes would tell us exactly who their ape was, their name, their backstory, their formative event. We would turn that into a story. If you fast forward to now, that's like still what's happening. Um, so we thought, how do we actually do that at scale? One, mm. um, tell a really, really large story with the help of a bunch of people, but then also uh, give people the, the ability, that both technologically and inspirationally, to turn their NFT into a character in the way that we have with Jenkins. And so that was our North Star, and it still is. Um, from there, uh, it got a little less creative and a little bit more like businessy. And we just kind of sprinted to a launch, everything from setting up the company, uh, incorporating, getting a bank account, uh, finding vendors, building the website, designing mm -hmm. the art, getting the smart contracts written, like all of the boxes that you need to check to have like a successful drop. Um, 
And that was on August 4th of 2021 was when the, the writer's room NFTs originally came out with those being sort of like our OG Genesis passes that would get you access to into a writer's room where you could collaborate with other like-minded folks um, to create really amazing content sort of guided by Tally Labs and, and partners that we bring in. Um, so that was kind of when we went from like storytelling on social media to creating a business. Mm. I mean, it's fascinating. It seems like, you know, I'm not sure if it's intentional, but from the outside, it seems intentional, but you seem to be pushing the the space forward all the time with with what you're doing. I mean, you published a, a, a book, uh, or I'm not sure if you published it, I'm not sure what the right uh, right language is, but you created a piece of uh, fiction, um, which you released, which is fascinating and in Bored and Dangerous. Um, you've moved on to create your own entire world, which is now separate, or not separate, but outside of the kind of Bored Ape world or potentially it's i don't know adjacent but you know how do you guys think about you know how do you think about these things because it's like you like we stumbled on this and now we stumbled on that but you've created so many things that are almost like defining where an industry is heading and how people you know and then a whole bunch of people sort of pick up that idea and keep going how do you think about creating this stuff when you are are building it um that's like a a really kind way uh to speak about us so first of all thank you um we uh we i think there's like a couple pieces that 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 really matter here um i mean to say it like simply uh our goal like 100 percent is is um to try to be innovative and to try to do things that are fresh and it's really like a lens that we look at everything through so if we have an idea to do something like if we're if, like take up just like a, a word that folks would recognize, like if we're going to do a PFP project or if we're going to do a podcast or if we're going to write a book, we try to put our own like flair on it. Um, and we try to say, how might we do this in a way that is different than what's come before it? Mm -hmm. um, the experimental nature of like the way we work together uh, as a, as a company sometimes backfires right and i know we're going to talk about the azurian pfps today and that's obviously an example of something where we tried something and we missed badly and i think something that has been a part of our identity and it just wasn't a part of the azurians but but it but it will be going forward it is going forward and it has been for everything else is that if we are going to experiment like that we need to be really really close to our community members because we're all trying something together and we mm -hmm. need, it's almost like the experience that, that we're all like working on together. It's as much about doing the experiment together as it is like what the outcome is. And so I think that's, you know, one of the things with our PFPs that went wrong is, is we didn't do the experiment together. But, um, but in, in examples of things that have gone well, like Bored and Dangerous, for example, and I think, you know, the new round of PFPs that we're doing today, it's that, um, as a company, our goal is to really push the boundaries on something. And the way that we think we push the boundaries is we come up with a bunch of clever ideas ourselves or stuff we think is clever. And then we try to bring the community in as close as possible to the process so that we can make sure that we're all like feeling good about the direction of the experiment. Hmm. Um, and, and I think like those two things, those are sort of like pillars for us. And as long as we commit to doing those two things, we're going to try to to create something in a slightly different way than that has been done before. And we're going to do it with our community. 
that in some way is like a bit of the identity of like our business and what we do. And, and I think there's like a lot that fits into, you know, those two things. If you, if you treat those two things as constraints, you can sort of work on anything beyond that. Mm. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think the first thing is that you, you seem to be quite, quite happy to let go or not let go, but like move on to a new thing, even though you have something successful. And if you look at sort of certain Hollywood series and things like that, when you get to season eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you're like, let go guys. It was a great idea and it's time to sort of let it go. But you seem quite happy to move into the next space, uh, you know, while, you know, when you are still being successful um, and then, you know, so I guess that's my first thing is how do you decide when that is? And the second one is, you know, having pulled people close to you, what are the things that you found that you didn't expect by working so closely with, with a community of people? Um, can I answer your second question first? And it's, sure. it's a really interesting one. I mean, by working closely with the community, we are able to like validate or like put aside assumptions that we have like really quickly, like a great example is, um, and it's informed a lot of what we've done moving forward is, uh, we were licensing, well, actually two examples, one, uh, licensing characters, uh, which was probably, I would say one of our greatest contributions to the space. Um, mm. and the, you know, when we licensed 4,075 to board of dangerous and we're getting ready to license a bunch more to this podcast, um, licensing came about not because we set out to be a licensing company, but because we were looking to give folks upside in the work without being a security. And so licensing came about and it wasn't even until then, it was really like a workaround, honestly. It was like, how can we be creative and give folks upside? And then it turned into this whole amazing thing where they're able to bring their characters to life. And then once we did that, even deeper down the licensing rabbit hole, we were like, oh, if we're gonna license characters, we need to know their name. We need to know their backstory. We need to know a little bit about them. Let's give people an opportunity to tell us. Um, like over 50% of people wrote like multi-hundred word backstories about their character, which now told us, mm. wow, people are really, really invested in character creation and they really care about it. So those are like two instances where they sort of came about spontaneously. Um, and then folks' behavior showed us how much they actually cared about it. And so we've gone like way deeper down those directions. And so... Um, I think when you when you have those principles, um, and we've gotten away from it at points, and I think when we have gotten away from it, it like hasn't worked in our favor. Um, so when you have mm. those principles, um, a lot of what like your community wants you to build just kind of reveals itself. That makes sense. Yes, I, I guess it's this interesting thing that that giving people that space gives them a sense of ownership and when they get a sense of ownership their kind of participation and generosity and energy is much much higher than if they are just purchasing or you know if it's just a transaction they they sort of have a much deeper connection to the product and the outputs and the extension of it which is i think like a, a key thing in building a passionate successful audience or a, an audience that pushes what you do much further Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. Um, we, uh, I, I saw this thing the other day on Twitter that was like sort of crazy, which uh, it was like a Twitter poll that um, it sort of was like a math problem. And uh, it suggested that like 
you know, it, it was like a spinner and you'd spin this wheel. It was like just a description. And like 80% of the time it lands on one color and 20% of the time it lands on another color. And then the question was just like, what color did it land on? You could pick. And mm-hmm. then when you've showed the results, like it, it actually like just the crowd independent of knowing what other people picked had basically picked 80% one, the right color and 20% the other color. Like essentially like it was like this weird, like wisdom of the crowd thing where a bunch <laughs> of people independently acting as themselves had driven like an outcome where uh it it reflected like what you would expect the entire set of people to like do if they were working together and i think that like that is one of the things that we aim to do in the community engagement is that when you when you bring a really big group of people together and let them exercise their own creative or let them influence in one direction or another um, when we've been successful with it, I think we have found that the set of all of the people end up sort of speaking for the space in a way that is like um, really, really incredible. Uh, it happened with the way that like a lot of Bored and Dangerous was created. Um, and I think we're seeing it a little bit with like the new Azurian PFPs as well, that like uh, hundreds of people submitted images to like craft like a couple of mood board options. And the consistency across all of the images was like, it blew us away. Like it looked like <laughs> some people were were confused and thought that an individual creator had like crafted the mood boards, but it actually came from all of these different people. And I think that that ends up being like one of the things uh, that whole thing, that's very experimental, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think like a lot of brands are trying to do that kind of stuff, but um but it's really cool when it works out because it tells you there's maybe a different way to work together than like what we're used to. I think that's fascinating. I mean, you've stumbled onto the topic I would love to to chat about, which is, you know, it's obviously uh, late, related around, you know, Azabala and the Azurians, but you've got what a lot of brands are trying to get, which is this like deeply connected, committed community that you know has participated and feels a sense of ownership which like you stated earlier when it's going well is an amazing collaborative energy but when you when you sort of go in a direction that the community doesn't like they feel a sense of ownership enough to tell you that they are unhappy with where you go or where you've gone and i think that is the almost the the hidden cost of a community so there's all the upside of they'll they'll amplify your message and they'll participate and they'll help make it better but if they don't like it then they're going to go in the other direction can you talk a little bit about that and I'm, i'm fascinated by how you you almost bounced back which is i think testament to the the equity you've built up with those people so they called you out and then you you responded and it doesn't seem like there's a negative cloud hanging you know, hanging over it. It's it's like that people are happy with the direction that you're heading in. Yeah. I mean, building in public is, um, it's a really interesting thing that really neither of us had much experience. I really know how much it's, if it's even possible to have experience in prior to just, you know, doing it. <laughs> um, and like you said, it, it, the highs are significantly higher. Um, and the lows are significantly lower. You get celebrated for things that you do, you know, more than you would in another environment. And then you also kind of get torn apart. Um, and so obviously it's what we signed up for though. And I think it's something that we're really excited about. We do believe that building in public alongside of your community is, is the right thing to do. And it's, it's, it's where the future is. Um, mm. so I do think we've bounced back. 
Um, although we do have a long way to go, I think um, we would rather we rather have what happened happen than no one have said anything at all because it actually shows that people care and they want to see improvement. Mm-hmm. The moment where we drop something horrible and people just don't say anything, we'll know that we've like lost our community. Um, so I think that is like a blessing in disguise, and it, it sucked to like go through that experience. But I think we're for sure stronger. And like really proud of our of our team who came together in like a big way after that and went all mm-hmm. hands on deck to just correct correct everything. So um, we still have a lot to prove, but we're on like you know if I, th- I think September thirtieth was the reveal. If we could have looked in the future to where we are now, seen the progress that we made, and seen like the morale on the team in the community, we would have been really excited, and we would have known that there's like an, a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, mm. So super super happy about that, but. uh yeah, the Azerbala, um, the Azerbala misstep was like a big one. And I think it's, you know, hopefully the, the last one that we'll have, but, but probably won't be, you know, I think that's par for the course when you're putting everything out there, you know, in like, in like raw form. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we, we messed up in a really big way, but we learned, we learned a ton. And I think the community members that have stuck around, um, we've seen even more engagement and even more of a desire to help vote, uh, be involved. We have really awesome community council. Like, I think people want to be part of this comeback story. And so for us, that's, that's really exciting, but it's definitely not lost on us, like the mistake that we made um, mm. and, and what we need to do to correct it. I mean, I find it, I, I find um, it. Sorry, oh, go, sorry, okay. I was just going to say something quick. I saw a photo, Safa, of the two of us, the day of the Azurian reveal, like that night when we were working together with robes and uh, we looked terrible. So <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. It was like, I wish on that night we could have seen, you know, what two months of like work with the community would, would feel like, because it is, uh, it's just one of the worst photos I've ever seen. <laughs> we can make it the episode cover if you, if you want. Um, that'd be, that'd um, be something Knox. <laughs> um, I find it, you know, fascinating because you, you guys are, are pushing into these new boundaries, you know, and I think, brands have made mistakes forever it's like it's not a new i don't think it's a new thing but i I do think what this technology has has unlocked is the ability for people to feed back at a rapid and public rate you know which i don't think has existed as as poignantly like as this moment um but I, i think what is testament to to how you think about the world is how you reacted because you know there, there's different reactions some people you know if you look at think about like a gap rebrand they just pulled the pin they were like oh you know we're we're moving back which i don't think was the right choice and then there's the other route which is to say well we're doubling down like you can't tell us what to do this is our company this is our you know like we're forging forward but you actually sort of took a moment and and engaged which i think must not have been easy but you know it seems to have worked out in your favor yeah it's um it's really interesting web3 is like you know probably as much about the culture as it is about like blockchain mm. um and 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 blockchain you know obviously like enables ownership in a way that hasn't existed like in in the web2 model of like you know, your data being owned by uh, some big entity rather than you. But like what that then enables is this culture of like really high ownership and sort of the the merging of like 
creators and community members or like brands and, 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 and the community members that like participate sort of in that ecosystem. And so, uh, it, it's, it's really, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious myself, like how this ends up making an impact, not only on like the web rebrands that are working today, but like it's crossed our mind that maybe the first step that a web two entity takes into web three is actually not related to the blockchain, but is instead related to redefining the culture around how they interact with like their community members mm-hmm. and their fans and things like that. And so we went from blockchain to, to, you know, community co-creation, they may go the other way or something like that. Um, it, it, uh, Saf is totally right. If we mess up and our community doesn't say something to us, uh, like that means we've lost, but I'm also wondering like what it'll be like way in the future. Like, like right now, you know, when we messed up on the Azurian PFPs, a lot of folks left cause they were like, Oh, that one's done. You know, they, mm. they, uh, it fell off. And, and I think it's because most of the time when you see that happen, it's over. Mm. Uh, we're trying our best right now, obviously to, to, to be really clear that like, it's not over and we're going to get it right. And, and we feel, I mean, it is critically important that we get the next one right. But there will be another time in the future where, like, we mess up again, I'm sure. I think it won't be as public and shocking as the Azurian PFP reveal was because we'll be closer to the community from here on out. But, um, but it'll happen. It'll go in some direction that, like, maybe people don't like with something. And uh, next time, there will be the context of this time. Where they can mm. say, "Oh, but you know what happens is is we're going to work together all together to figure it out and and move on." And I think like when you do it that way, my hope is that like we end up building a really like resilient brand that is sort of known for um, eventually getting it right, you know. And hopefully, most of the time we get it right the first time, and then some small percentage of the time we get it right the second time. Or you know, there's that back and forth that exists. And I think like that's really powerful because as uncomfortable as it is to mess up publicly. You also, um, I think what you do when you work together with your community like this is there's not really like this notion of like a first chance or second chance. It's just like, we're working on this thing together and anybody, you know, can think about this and, 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 you know, recognize that there are going to be sometimes that it doesn't go as well as other times. Mm. And so certainly I'm like, uh, I'm hopeful and, you know, let's say like tentatively like excited to see that play out because i think it'll mean a lot for people who who, who are you know creative going forward hmm. i mean i'm fascinated for some kind of practical tips from you like how have you how have you structured working with your community because this is a you know like uh, i don't think an open discord channel free for all of people just screaming into the void is the right way like how do you actually engage with people to get productive feedback because i think sometimes what puts people off about building in public is that the negative voices can be very loud you know so you're like well do i even bother trying because all i'm going to do is get negative stuff back but you know i think some feed some negative feedback is good um but also it needs to be paired with and this is how i think you can make it better or this is what could be a a solution as opposed to just telling you how you've done it badly I think it's twofold. I mean, when we first set out to create the project, we knew that 
current platforms like Discord and Twitter were not set up to facilitate this level of engagement. And so we mm. knew that there was going to be like a tech lift on our end. So I would say you can look at it from a technological standpoint and then from like a just a community management standpoint. Um, from a technological standpoint, um, doing what we do would not be possible on Discord or Twitter. Um, far too many voices would or cooks would be in the kitchen. We wouldn't be able to distill like the level of information that we wanted to distill. There wouldn't be quality control. So we've built a really awesome platform that we are our own users of. Uh, and we're going to be, you know, really excited to actually roll that out to like other creators in the future. Um, mm. But I think that that's like the first thing to acknowledge is that we believe like the level of community co-creation that we aspired to and continue to aspire to needed like technology of its own. Um, but then two, there's also just a very like personal sort of like human element to it, which is that um, you need to be open. You need to like let go of your ego. You need to, as a creator, understand that there's better perspectives out there. You need to understand that your community is as close to your project and cares about your project in some ways as much as you do. And so just being open to that, understanding, we have like an internal saying on our team that good ideas can come from anywhere, which means that if someone on the engineering team has a fun idea for a social media asset, like we're going to make it. Um, mm. And I think the same thing is true for the community. Good ideas can come from anywhere. So being open to it, nurturing it, finding that balance, but also being really stern, like in your vision and what's not negotiable, um, but also allowing the community to have creative input is uh, is really important. It's a balance for sure. I mean, I'm fascinated. You you sort of led me into the the last piece of my sort of questioning, which is around the technology. You know, you guys are also building building your own technology and seemingly interested in sharing it with the the whole community can you talk a bit about how you think about software and how it interplays with these brand assets that you've kind of created um you know like how do you how do you see the interplay between those two things because uh, you know very often the technology companies are not the ones creating the assets on top of it. So it's, it's, it's weird to find or, or unique to find a company that's doing kind of both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because the, the, our perspective is the same as it was when we were writing as Jenkins, which is basically that um, we want to make a contribution to the space. Uh, and there, and there are all these really interesting, like, and, and creative people, um, who are working. And if we can do something that pushes it forward, like at all, that's, that's something that's worth doing. Mm -hmm. I think like, um, the, it makes, it's sort of intuitive to us, although it, it's maybe different than the way, like a lot of businesses start, because when we have conversations with people about how to engage community members in the creative process or or to be like you know closer to your community or to get feedback or to do anything like that we're not sitting here being like we're people who make software to do these things and we're gonna run this like sales process and have a instance of salesforce with all these names and or anything like like we're creators like we're, we're we are we are as a team creative people who are trying to build creative stuff in the space and we're mm -hmm. learning things. And so when we end up interacting with other people who are doing the same stuff, like we're talking as like partners or colleagues, you know, or, or people who are um, looking at the same problem through a similar lens. And we're able to share and say, hey, like, uh, this is what we do. 
and 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 this this works for us in these ways and um you know i think what we're finding is that there are a lot of people who who have had similar experiences or who are you know eager to be closer to their communities and so um it is we i mean saf and i say it like you know frequently it's um it would be hard to be a software company and it would be hard to be a media company and sort of might seem like being both is even harder <laughs> but for us, it's like the only way that we really can do it because we learn what to make because of our own experience. Mm. And we have since found that there are other people who have had similar experiences to us. That's fascinating. So do you, do you think you're going to end up building software in the same way that you are building um, your characters and your stories in a kind of collaborative, open way? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Like, like it, it's sort of recursive, right? Like, we're building stuff to to help people be closer to their communities, so that they can make stuff. That's the thing that we're building, and so we should be close with our community, asking them what we should make to make <laughs> the stuff that they want to use to get close to the people who want to. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm. it's it it goes really like really far in your brain. But um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like in the same way that we work with members of the writer's room or with Azurians to determine what we should make by way of content with Jenkins of LA or, or the new Azurian PFPs or sort of everything in the world, um, uh, we need to work with other creators to like better understand what it is that, that they want when they want to get close to their communities. Um, and, and, I mean, yeah, we can use many of the tools that we have that we point towards creative to also point towards what should we make next. Mm. It's fascinating that you've identified that it's almost the same. It's the same impulse and the same interaction. Uh, just the only thing that really changes is the output. So it's the, the only piece that really shifts. So, you know, where do you see, I mean, you know, Tele Labs, I know you can't like looking forward. I mean, five years sounds retarded in Web3, but like looking forward a, a year, like where do you think Tele Labs will be? Like, what do you think you're going to be doing in, in a year's time? I mean, for us, we've always been really keen to, to explore and continue pressing forward on the intersection of storytelling and technology. And so, what that looks like is, um, telling more stories like Azerbala, like Bored and Dangerous, like the uh, podcast that we're getting ready to launch and continuing to expand on that IP and then building amazing technology to enable us to continue to tell those stories, but also to enable other folks outside of our, um, outside of our company and our community to do the same. Uh, we believe that community co-creation is real. Uh, the thesis that has powered us from the beginning is that you can make something better with your community, with thousands of people from all over the world with varying perspectives than you can, like a small group of people in a boardroom. And so mm. we're building tools that enable that to happen. Um, and I think if we were to look out, you know, many, many years, our goal would be to be the folks that that make the tools that that the space is using to tell all of these amazing stories um, while continuing to tell like really awesome ones in and of ourselves. Uh, we've also had a really great time building Jenkins. Uh, and I think it'd be fun to, to do that with some other characters as well. Right. So, so I think it would be remiss of me not to ask you uh, one more question, and that is, where is Good Boy? 
I mean, we should ask you back. <laughs> we're, 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 we're dying to know. Um, I think, you know, many people in the community have a hunch that there's a certain villainous mutant out there that has something to do with it, but we certainly don't have proof yet. I don't think Jenkins has proof yet. And, um, uh, by the looks of it, Jenkins is going to need help from a lot of different communities in the metaverse to go find good boys. So, um, we're, we're really hoping that Jenkins can get that help and that, uh, and that good boy can be returned home safely. All right. Well, Safa Vijay, I mean, thank you so much for for all the experimenting you've been doing in public, um, both the highs and the lows. But it's really inspirational to watch, and I think you've you've unlocked different layers of creativity in the space. And it'll be interesting to see where all of this experimentation ultimately washes up. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Right, and I think with that, we'll catch all of you in the next one. Uh, Peace out and bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand need some inspiration for their brand please share this with them this is our fourth season and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first to know when a new episode is released even better leave a review and tell the world how much you enjoyed listening one more question is brought to you by the people of nice work we're on a mission to build purposeful web3 brands that people care about we're based in south africa and serve the leaders of brave companies around the world If you'd like to know more, work with us or make a suggestion, please reach out at www.nicework.co.za. Bye-bye.